0: Order, questions to the Prime Minister, Mr Richard Burden. Chancellor of the Exchequer. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister is visiting Poland and Romania and I've been asked to reply. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Richard Mr. Speaker, as Christmas draws closer, the Chancellor will know that people having difficulty making ends meet won't experience a lot of goodwill in the season of goodwill if they fall into the clutches of loan sharks as they try to buy presents for their families. So why is he choosing now to cut the budget of the Birmingham-based England illegal money-lending team by a third when they've helped? 24,000 loan shark victims to get £63 million of illegal debts written off. and Will he have a word with his friend, the business secretary, who seems to be refusing to answer questions from the Daily Mirror on this subject? Well of course we take very seriously illegal loan sharks and indeed excessive interest charges on payday lending which is why it was conservatives who introduced the first ever cap on payday lending. And on the specific question he raises about the funding for illegal money laundering and loan shark teams we are looking actually now at a levy on the industry to meet the funding requirements that he identifies. David Burrows. Uh, following last week's vote, can I right on a friend to give an update on action against these genocidal jihadists who not only attack Christians, Yazidis, and Muslims, but also pillage their churches, shrines, and mosques? Uh, so, alongside uh, the, um, the welcome announcement of £30 million to protect cultural heritage, can we sooner rather than later um, ratify the Hague Convention? Yeah. Yeah. Councillor. Uh, well, I thank um, my honourable friend for raising this important issue. And let me briefly update the House on the military action since we met last week. We have 16 aircraft conducting strikes. Uh, as well as our Reaper drones. The RAF have flown 11 missions and conducted four strikes principally against the oil fields, uh, and we are also supporting Iraqi security forces. Uh, And My run on friend the Foreign Secretary is going to be in New York next week with the talks on trying to bring an end to that uh, horrendous conflict in Syria, very specifically on the uh, damage being done to the cultural artefacts of the area. We are providing £30 million as part of a cultural fund, and I've discussed that with the director of the British Museum. And on the ratification of the Hague Convention, that is something that is now moving apace. Angela Eagle.
1: Uh, It's nice to get such a warm welcome. Uh, Now, Mr. Speaker, uh, our hearts go out to all those suffering the consequences of severe flooding in the North West this week. With thousands of families and businesses affected, the priority has got to be for the Government to get immediate help to all of them. Yet one year on, from the 2013-14 floods, it emerged that only 15% of those affected had received payments from the Government's Repair and Renew scheme. So, Does the Chancellor agree with me that this cannot possibly be allowed to happen again? These people need urgent help now. So, will the Chancellor today give the House a guarantee that people w- will receive the help that they need and quickly?
0: Yes. Uh, well, first of all, let, uh, let me welcome the Honourable Lady to her place and the uh, warm support she has on the other side. Uh, let me first uh, uh, join her in expressing. Uh, the uh, sympathy of the whole House to those who have been affected by these terrible floods, the record rainfall that has hit uh, Cumbria and uh, Lancashire. Uh, The update is that we have just one severe flood warning still in place and power has been restored to 168,000 homes and the West Coast Main Line is open, but we have got to be there for the long term for these families. So, First of all, we continue to support the immediate rescue efforts and, of course, the military have deployed. On recovery, the question she asks about, I can today announce a £50 million fund for families and businesses affected in the area. This will be administered by the local authorities to avoid some of the administrative problems that she alludes to in her question. And when it comes to rebuilding the infrastructure of Cumbria and Lancashire and other areas affected, we are assessing now the damage to the flood defences and the damage to the roads, and funds will be made available. One of the benefits of having a strong and resilient economy is that we can help people in need.
1: Well, Mr. Speaker, I thank the Chancellor for that answer, but you wouldn't think from listening to him, would you, that he's cut flood defence spending by £115 million this year. After after visiting the floods in the Somerset Levels in 2014, the Prime Minister told this House in a statement that money is no object in this relief effort, and whatever money is needed will be spent. Now, I welcome the announcement that the Chancellor has just made, but will he confirm uh, that the same will apply this time?
0: Yes, absolutely. The money will be made available to those affected and to the communities who have seen their infrastructure damaged. Up to £5,000 will be made available to individual families to repair their homes and protect them uh, against future flooding, and we are going to provide money to businesses who have seen their businesses ruined. And There have been heartbreaking stories—we have all seen on television—about uh, businesses that have been affected as well. So that money is available. As I say, Because we have a strong and resilient economy, we're actually increasing the money we spend on our flood defences. And it's just not the case to say that that has been reduced. Under the last Labour government, they spent £1.5 billion of Parliament on flood defences. We're going to be spending £2 billion on flood defences. Increasing the maintenance spending. It's something we can do and we can help these communities precisely because we took the difficult decisions to fix our economy and public finances.
1: The uh, Chancellor for that, and we will hold him to account on the promises that he's made today. But I note that the government's own figures show that their planned capital investment in flood defence will only protect one in eight of those households that are at risk. Now, uh, Mr. Speaker, I see that the Prime Minister can't be with us to answer questions today because he's visiting. Poland and Romania on the latest leg of his seemingly endless European renegotiation tour. Uh, Mr Speaker, he's been, he's been jetting all over the place. Uh, no wonder we had to buy him his own aeroplane. So can the Chancellor tell us please how's it all going?
0: Chancellor. Well the good news is Well the good news is we have a party leader who's respected abroad. Yeah. The Prime Minister is in Central and Eastern Europe because we're fighting for a better deal for Britain. Something that never would have happened if there had been a Labour government. Well,
1: Mr. Speaker, I have to tell him that many of his own backbenchers are pretty unimpressed with how it's going. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, the honourable member for North East Somerset has described the Prime Minister's renegotiation efforts as pretty thin gruel. The honourable member for Harwich and North Essex has called them lame and trivial. And yesterday, the honourable member for Richmond Park told the press gallery that they were not all that impressive. Uh, Mr. Speaker, the Chancellor is well known for cultivating his backbenchers, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So, can I ask him the question his own side won't answer it? Given that the Prime Minister has pre resigned, does he really aspire to be Britain's first post EU Prime Minister?
0: Not should I be quoting the views of backbenchers if I was speaking for the Labour Party at the moment. Most opposition parties are trying to get momentum. They are trying to get rid of it. We are fighting for a good deal for Britain in Europe. We are fighting to make the European economy more competitive to everyone, and we are fighting to make sure that Britain gets a fair deal as a country that is not in the euro from the eurozone. That is what we are fighting for, but in the end, this will be something we put to the people of Britain in a referendum. And The only reason that referendum is happening at all is because the Conservative Party won the general election.
1: Uh, Mr. Speaker. The chancellor, instead of obsessing about issues in the Labour Party, should be condemning the appalling activities in Conservative yeah, yeah, Future, yeah, yeah, and the Tory bullying yeah, 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 yeah. scandal. <laughs> <laughs> now, I notice he didn't. I noticed he didn't answer the question about his own prime ministerial activities. He might be worried about uh, somebody a few places down him on the bench. I'm not sure. But oh,
0: she's looking, she's looking, gross.
1: Gross. She's oh. looking gross. Of his own backbenchers, perhaps he'll listen to someone who's written in. (laughs) I've I've got here a letter. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, (laughs) Mr. Speaker, Speaker, it's from Donald of Brussels. About the future of the UK in the European Union is a destabilising factor. He's right, isn't he? Is that
0: Well, since the Conservative Party announced its policy on the referendum, we've received the lion's share of investment into Europe here in this country. It's because we've built a strong economy, that's because we stand up for Britain's interests abroad, and we've made this a competitive place to grow and build a business. But look, while we're quoting missives, there's someone called Tony who's been writing today. Happens to be the most successful Labour leader in history, and he is describing the Labour Party as a complete tragedy at the moment. Can I suggest that she ask some serious questions about the health service, the economy, about social care? She can ask any of these questions. She's got one more question. Let's hear it.
1: Mr Speaker, I prefer this quote from Tony. Just mouth the words, five more Tory years, and you feel your senses and reason repulsed by what they have done to our country. Mr Speaker, we all know that the Chancellor is so preoccupied with his own leadership ambitions that he forgot about the day job. and That is why he ended up trying to slash working families' tax credits in the budget. Isn't it about time that he focused on the national interest rather than his own interest? Linked to trade with the EU, half our exports go there, and that's why we thats why they are putting it at risk by flirting with Brexit, and that's why we, on this side of the House, know that Britain is better off in. Yeah!
0: Well, I thought the Labour Party voted for the referendum when it came before the House of Commons. We're fighting for a better deal for Britain in Europe, and the truth is this this week we've shown we've got an economic plan that is delivering for Britain. And whether it's well funded flood defences, or putting money into our national health service, or backing our teachers in the schools, or introducing a national living wage, we are delivering security for the working people of Britain, and their economic and national security would be put at risk. If the Labour Party ever got back into office.
1: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I recently visited David Wilson. Recently visited David Wilson Homes apprentice workshop, and saw at first hand the work the construction industry is doing to support apprenticeships in Hampshire. Can my right honourable friend tell us what more schools can do? To promote apprenticeships as a valuable alternative to post-16 academic yeah. study.
0: Well, yeah. uh, I think my honourable friend raises an important po- point. Of course, schools do have a legal duty to provide pupils with information on the full range of training and education that's available. And If schools in her constituency can now tell their pupils about the increase in the number of apprenticeship places that we are funding, there are going to be three million apprentices in this Parliament. That is a huge commitment to young people in this country. It is also a big commitment to the construction industry. We want the homes to be built. One of the challenges is getting skilled people in that industry, and that is something that no doubt was raised by the business she spoke to. The three million apprentices are going to help. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, highly toxic and dangerous materials are transported around the country. Isn't the public right to expect the high safety standards and full cooperation between the responsible public agencies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely, they're ex- expected to have that cooperation. If he's talking about the Uh, Transportation of nuclear materials from the uh, Faslane base, uh, the base on the Clyde. Actually, I met there uh, the local teams and how they transport the nuclear materials from there. But if he's got something else he wants to ask me about, go ahead. Mr. Angus Robertson. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, there are growing reports in the north of Scotland about plans to transport dangerous nuclear material, including potentially nuclear weapons grade uranium. From the Dunray nuclear facility on public roads to Wick Airport. It's believed that it will then be flown to the United States. What will this nuclear material be used for? And has any of his colleagues or himself spoken with a single minister in the Scottish Government about this? Well, The transportation of nuclear materials has happened uh, across this country over many decades, and there are established procedures for doing so. The Royal Marines and the police service in Scotland provide the security as they do that. If he has specific concerns he wants to raise uh, about the plans for the transportation, he can raise them with us, but as I say, the arrangements are in place to make sure we protect the public. Thank you very much, sir. The Chancellor will know the Prime Minister said in his recent conference speech that we have to get away from the lock them up or let them out mentality when it comes to prison reform. And that has to be right because our prison system is costing our constituents a fortune. Would the Chancellor agree that the time for rehabilitation that works is now and we shouldn't be afraid to look at other jurisdictions to find examples and new ideas to tackle what is this ongoing state failure? Well, I think my honourable friend is right to raise the question of prison reform. Look, people who commit crimes should go to prisons, but the prisons should be suitable to rehabilitate those prisoners. And frankly, some of our Victorian prisons. Are not suitable. That's why we are going to close them, knock them down, build housing in our cities, which is of course desperately needed, and build modern prisons on the outskirts of our inner cities uh, and our cities. I have to say I'm incredibly proud that a Conservative government is taking on this progressive social reform. Dr. Rupert Hack.
1: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. They're a great British institution. They earn billions for our economy. Yeah, I'm sure the Chancellor will share my concern that two curry houses a week are closing in this country due to government policies, and the specialist proposed colleges have also failed. So as a fan himself, will he review the situation? He once likened the elements of a strong economy to that of a good curry, and will he head off the coming curry crisis?
0: Well we all, we, we all enjoy. Uh, a great British curry, but what we want is the curry chefs trained here in Britain, so we're providing yeah, 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 yeah. jobs for people here in this country, and that's what our immigration controls provide. Carl McCartney. Thank you, Speaker. Yeah, yeah. My right honourable friend is well aware from my repeated representations to him and his colleagues of the need for a southern relief road and eastern bypass for Lincoln which have been delayed by bureaucracy for nearly 100 years. He and his government (laughs) colleagues are well acquainted with the need to drive growth and local economic well-being, utilising appropriate infrastructure improvements to fuel the Midlands engine. But what would my right hon. Friend say to my constituents should he visit the beautiful city of Lincoln, other than any new road is eventually better than no road? Well, First of all, I congratulate my hon. Friend on securing £50 million of extra funding for Lincoln and ensuring that a bypass is going to go ahead. I have spoken to him and I know he has concerns that the bypass is not big enough, that it needs to be a a dual-lane bypass. Let's continue to have those conversations. And, and what we need, uh, both of us, is to make sure that the local authorities agree with his assessment as well. And I'm happy to help him in that task. Alison Ulysses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Since his, since his budget in July, I have asked time and time again about how he intends to make women prove um, that they had their third child by rape in order to qualify for tax credits. Will he date today
0: admit that this policy, this abhorrent, vile policy, is completely unworkable and will he drop the rape clause? I think it's perfectly reasonable to have a welfare system that is fair not just to those who need it, but to those who pay for it as well we identified the very specific case that she identifies in her question about women who have been the victim of domestic abuse or indeed rape and that is why we're consulting and discussing changes to protect those vulnerable women Wendy Morton Thank you Mr over 4,000 yeah, yeah, apprentices yeah, yeah. have been created in my constituency since 2010
1: and recently I met with income Training and a group of small local businesses to discuss skills and apprenticeships. Would my right honourable friend confirm what <coughs> the government is doing to help small businesses, help people into training and employment and therefore continue to secure the economy of the Midlands engine for future generations?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the great news is that jobs are being created in the Midlands engine and indeed in her constituency, and we're investing in infrastructure there as well. We're also investing in the skills of the next generation with the apprentices that she talks about, and we're backing the small businesses by cutting the corporation tax that small businesses pay and indeed increasing the employment allowance so they can take on more people without paying the jobs tax. Dr. Philippa Whitford.
1: Yes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Médecins Sans Frontières reports that despite giving GPS coordinates,
0: several of their hospitals have been bombed by both coalition and particularly Assad forces in Syria, Yemen and Afghanistan, killing medics as well as patients. Can the Chancellor explain, with so many forces
1: involved in airstrikes, how the government proposes to avoid this in the future? Yeah.
0: Well, first of all, of course, there was the, the tragic uh, situation of the bombing of the hospital, which she mentioned, and there is a review going on uh, to make sure that uh, the coalition uh, has got accurate information for its strikes. Uh, with the, when it comes to Yemen, uh, we're working with the Saudi government to make sure that they can review this information and that the information is accurate. As for the Syrian government and Assad, I'm afraid we have no control over them. It's one of the reasons why we'd like to see Assad go. Yeah. So Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The regeneration of Dunsbury Hill Farm in my Havant constituency will create up to 3,500 new jobs. Good news for an area yeah, where unemployment yeah, 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 yeah. has already halved since 2010. Yeah, yeah. Will the Chancellor commit to continue investment in the Solent region economy, an area which much prefers my right honourable friend's big red book to any other type? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'm delighted to hear about the regeneration of Dunsbury Hill Farm, and it's part of the good news that is in happening to his area, where the claimant count is down by 25% in the last year alone. That's thanks to local businesses. It's also thanks to the work he's done as a new MP in attracting infrastructure and investment into his constituency. Uh, and I'm glad he likes the uh, red book of the government and doesn't have so much time for the little red book brandished by those opposite. Yeah. Gavin Newman. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. During the autumn statement, the Chancellor has casually removed vital bursary support from student nurses. Since then, I've spoken with a number of nurses and some of the 4,000 nursing students at my university, and all have said they would, wouldn't have been able to study nursing without vital bursary support from the Scottish Government. What will he say to those aspiring nurses across the rest of the UK who may be prevented from pursuing their dreams of becoming a nurse? <laughs> well, currently, we have a situation where two thirds of the people In England, who apply for nurse training courses are turned down. And that can't be right, and it means the hospitals increasingly rely on agency staff or overseas nurses. So we're reforming the education of nurses so that those who apply for nursing places are much more likely to get them. John Stevenson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Carlisle and Cumbria has experienced a traumatic few days with the devastating floods. It was good that the Prime Minister saw firsthand the tremendous work of the emergency services, the issues surrounding the flood defences, and of course the direct impact of those floods on local families. As part of the recovery, Cumbria Community Foundation, a highly respected county-wide charitable organisation, has uh, launched a flood appeal. I wrote to the PM asking for the government's support for the appeal, as it would help many affected people right across the county. Would the Chancellor be able to offer such support from the government towards this much needed fund? Well, first of all, I think everyone here would pay tribute to the people of Carlisle and the extraordinary resilience they have shown and the acts of uh, friendship that neighbours have shown to those affected by these terrible uh, floods. The Prime Minister this morning, before he left for Central Europe, asked me about. To make sure we be able to help on the specific point that uh, my honourable friend raises and which my honourable friend raised uh, with the Prime Minister. And I can say that we will support the work that the Cumbrian Foundation does and will match by up to a million pounds the money they're raising for their local flood appeal. Daniel Zeichner. Mr. Speaker, when the Chancellor tripled student tuition fees, he set the repayment threshold at £21,000. He has now frozen, frozen that threshold. And the Institute for Fiscal Studies tell us that many students will bear many extra thousands of pounds in repayments. Given he's broken his promise, will he be sending students an apology or just the bill? There seems to be a collective amnesia on the other side that they introduced tuition fees. when they introduced tuition fees the payment threshold was 15000 pounds we've increased that to 21000 pounds that enables us to fund the lifting of the cap so more people who are qualified can go to university and i would have thought and i would have hoped that on this day he would also welcome the big investment we're making into cambridge not least the renovation of the famous cavendish laboratory The Bexhill-Hastings link road will finally open this month. This will deliver a business park, new homes for a new labour market and a countryside park. This road has been talked about for decades but has been commissioned and built in the last five. Will the Chancellor join me in welcoming new business to relocate to Bexhill and Hastings and to expand? Well, I'd certainly encourage uh, businesses to locate to my honourable friend's area, and he is right about this link road. For decades, people have called for this link road, and for all those years, it's true there was a Conservative MP for Bexhill, but there was a Labour MP for Hastings for many of those years, and nothing happened. Now we've got Conservative MPs in both Bexhill and Hastings, we're getting the investment that the local area needs. Alison, Alison.
1: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On the 7th of September, the Prime Minister told me that he could not remove refugees from the migration target because of the requirements of the Office for National Statistics. So, Mr. Speaker, I wrote to the ONS, and they told me, in fact, it would be possible. So, will the Chancellor demonstrate that Britain will do its bit and remove refugees from the migration
0: target? Well first of all, yeah. going on, but let's hear the answer. Let's hear the Chancellor. Yeah, no, no, I'll tell you something surprising. We talk to each other in this yeah. government. Yeah. The Cab- the cabinet actually get round and have meetings and discuss things and we agree and then we move forward. They should try it in the Labour Party. Yeah. On the Honourable Lady's question, the Office for National Statistics is independent, but Britain is doing its bit by taking the 20,000 refugees from the Syrian refugee camps. And of course, we have always provided a home to genuine asylum seekers.
1: Mrs Anne Mayne. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Under current toy regulations, Under current Tory regulations, small children can be engulfed in flames by three centimetres in one second. Will the Chancellor speak to my honourable friend, the Prime Minister, and ask if he will intervene with the Business Secretary and see if we can bring in a statutory instrument to improve the flammability for children's play and dress up costumes?
0: Um, I think my my honourable friend is quite right to raise uh, this case, and of course, we all saw the The tragedy that befell the family of the uh, Strictly Come Dancing presenter and the campaign that her family uh, have undertaken to change the regulations in this space—it's true that we don't have the same flame retardant regulations for fancy dress costumes for children. That seems wrong. I know my noble friend, the business secretary, is looking at it, and we'll make sure it changes. Stephen Timms, Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Will the chancellor take this opportunity to correct the bizarre claim made yesterday by Donald Trump? about parts of London yeah. being no go for the metropolitan police yeah. and will he will he point out to Mr Trump there are in fact excellent relationships between the muslim communities of London and the police yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the Honourable Gentleman speaks for everyone in this House. Uh, the Metropolitan Police do a brilliant job, and of course, they have fantastic relations with British Muslims, and British Muslims have made a massive contribution to our country. I mean, frankly, Donald Trump's comments fly in the face of the founding principles of the United States, and it's one of the reasons why those founding principles have proved such an inspiration to so many people over the last couple of hundred years. And I think the best way to defeat nonsense like this is to engage in robust democratic debate and make it very clear that his views are not welcome. Yes, yeah. Derek Thomas. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. Cornwall, Cornwall Hospice Care in, my, uh, in Cornwall, one, one of their hospices is my constituency, just on the border, are uh, well appreciated and respected by my constituents. But the issue they have is they can they cannot run to capacity because they only receive 11% of their funding from the NHS funding. Would the Chancellor please work with me and my other colleagues in Cornwall to see what more money we can put into our, our hospices and Cornwall hospice care? Well, I know my hon. Friend is a strong uh, champion of his community and for the hospice that he uh, talks about. Uh, We have taken steps to help the hospice movement, not least, uh, for example, removing the VAT that they paid in the last parliament. I think we want to get the right balance. I think it's a good thing that our hospices are funded in part by local charities and uh, supported so strongly by the local community. They also need the backing of the NHS. And of course, we're now putting the money into the NHS because we have a strong economy so that they can help the hospice movement. Very grateful, Mr. Speaker. Um, Mr Speaker, if um, business rates are
1: are, um, localised without equalisation, my own authority Gateshead will lose £9.4 million per year, and that is on top of already severe revenue support grant cuts which are proposed. The seven north-east LEP authorities will lose £186 million a year, and the combined 12 authorities in the north-east £223 million a year. Meanwhile, the City of London will gain £222 million, and Westminster, £440 million. Was
0: this going to help the Chancellor's vision of the Northern Powerhouse? Well, the top-up and tariff system is going to apply as we devolve business rates to reflect uh, the discrepancies that he identifies, but I would have thought that the Labour Party would support the devolution of business rates. It is a massive opportunity for local areas to grow and see the benefits of that growth. And when it comes to the Northern Powerhouse, we have the fantastic announcement today of the new train franchises, which mean over a billion pounds going into new trains, faster journeys, and better journey experiences for people in the north of England. He should get behind it. a bone! Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Today there was an important report that said that the TV debates at the general election were a great success, engaging people who are not normally interested in politics, and particularly young people. Would the Acting Prime Minister, and I know he may have a personal interest in this matter, be encouraging TV debates at the next general election? Well, the TV debates are de- decided by a discussion between the political parties and the broadcasters. I think my right honourable friend the Prime Minister did exceptionally well in them last time. Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It's my understanding that the Home Secretary has banned eighty-four hate preachers from entering the UK. Will the government lead by example in considering making Mr Donald Trump yeah, number eighty yeah, yeah, five? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think the best way to confront the views of someone like Donald Trump is to engage in a robust democratic argument with him about why he is profoundly wrong. About the contribution of American Muslims and indeed British Muslims. And that is the best way to deal with Donald Trump and his views rather than trying to ban presidential candidates. Order. Oh. Oh, <laughs>